Hello and welcome to the Raw podcast brought to you by the Sunderland Echo and today we're going to be looking ahead to Sunderland's championship fixture against Millwall at the Den. So to preview the match, joining myself, Joe Nicholson, we are joined by Alex Jones from Southwark News. Alex, how's things? Yeah, not too bad, really. I'm glad to have the January transfer window out of the way. Pretty hectic. Yeah. All in all, even though Millwall didn't do too much, but uh, always stressful for journalists, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, good to have that out of the way, although it was a pretty frustrating end to it for Sunderland. Millwall, um, I think, were active on the final day of the window, which we'll come on to, I think, later as well. A familiar face will be probably in their squad for this weekend's game against Sunderland. But just starting by kind of going back to not too long ago, it was only about a couple of months ago when these two sides last met. It was the first game after the World Cup break at the start of December, Sunderland winning 3-0 at the Stadium of Light. Since then, looks like Millwall have been doing pretty well. They've only lost once in the league, from what I can see, three wins and two draws. So how are they kind of shaping up ahead of this weekend's game? Overall, it's been pretty good, yeah. I mean, the Sunderland game at the Stadium of Light was very strange in a way that it was not a 3-0 game. I think most Sunderland fans would agree with that. Um, I think that Millwall probably deserved to go into the break winning it, to be honest, and then it was just a total collapse in the second half in a game that Sunderland did deserve to win, but maybe not quite by the margin that they did. And after that, I think Millwall have picked up. I think it, it didn't necessarily help them to come back a week before everyone else did. Um, the Wigan game after that was always going to be a difficult one in Colo Toure's first game. Um, and then having the Luton game postponed just before Christmas wasn't really ideal. Um, but there have been some big performances in there. Winning away at Watford is never easy. Uh, and to do it in such style as, as Millwall did and to do it in the same kind of uh, way that they did in the reverse fixture, they beat them over 5-0 uh, over the two games. Um, and then a, a tricky one away at Middlesbrough with a couple of home games, uh, one against Bristol City, which was a horrible nil-nil draw, and a big 3-0 win against the Rotherham side in turmoil. Um, the Middlesbrough game was a little bit of a frustrating one, but you can kind of understand that um, in terms of their form and the way that they're trying to you know, push up the table and the signings that they've made, it was always going to be a difficult game. Um, but bouncing back from that with a, a really important win at Cardiff, uh, a couple of weeks ago was was so crucial more than anything. So it's it's been a bit of everything really. There's there's been some some hit and miss performances in there, but overall at the end of the day, Millwall are right in and around where they need to be at the moment. Um, that they've done that throughout the season, even though the performances haven't necessarily been as consistent as fans would have liked. That they're still there. They're still in a position where if they win their game in hand, they'll go up to thirds. As far as I'm aware. Uh, they're only one point off the top six at the moment. And you really can't complain too much about that, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, just looking at the table, both of these sides right on the cusp of the playoff. Sunderland, just two points off the playoff places. Millwall, just one point off. And as you say, they have got that game in hand, which could kind of propel them into the top six. And one advantage Millwall seem to have going into this game is the home advantage. So I was just looking at the championship home table before we came on. Millwall currently third, eight wins at home this season in the league, three draws and two defeats. And Sunderland boss Tony Mowbray was speaking about it today. He described it as almost like an extra man playing away at Millwall. So can you just describe how 
big of an impact it is playing at the Den and how much of an advantage it seems to give them. Yeah, I think the Den is probably the hardest stadium to come in the championship in a sense that, okay, you look at teams that do have better home records, but these are the top two we're looking at. And it was the same last year. Mm. I think um, Mill had the first or second best um, home record in the division. I think you look at the teams above them and it's Fulham and you think, okay, you know, this is a team that have that kind of immense quality. Millwall don't have the money to bring in players like that. They rely on things like that really strong home record. That was so important. Um, and they've maintained it over such a long period of time. It's been so important this season because at the end of the day, uh, wins on the road have been few and far between. I think it's four in total for the season, which, I mean, when you look at Sunderland, who I think have uh, conversely quite a strong away record compared to their mm. home record, you know, it's it's not wonderful, especially for a side pushing towards the top six, but the Den is a horrible, hostile place to come. Um, it's going to be especially difficult for Sunderland because it looks like for the first time in quite a long time, uh, Mill are going to be pushing for a sellout this weekend, which, I mean, the current highest attendance that we've had at the Den is just shy of 16,000. Um, with uh, Sunderland bringing a full uh, allocation fairly easily, as they do with pretty much any game uh, in the championship and any any point um, so far this season in the last few years, uh, it's going to look like we're going to be pushing towards a sellout. It's going to be really hostile. It always is. And, and there's just this kind of comfort when they're playing at home. They know how to kind of uh, get control of games, which they don't necessarily have in in these away fixtures. And we've seen that a few times where, yes, they can flip that switch and you look at games like the win at Watford, the win at Preston, where they have that. Um, but there's something different at home. They can't always show it. Um, there are teams who can come here. The, the teams that get results at the Den are the ones who usually sit back, grind out results, you're, you're like Bristol City did at the start of last month. Other teams have done that. Um, Hull went down to 10 men in November. They sat back the entire game. They got a point. Those are the ones that frustrate Millwall and get the points. It's very difficult to come at Millwall at the Den with a quality attacking performance and not leave yourself open at the back, exposed and really getting punished at, at the Den. Mm. We are recording this on Facebook Live and had a question in from SAFC Exiled Mackham. He says, do you think Millwall and Sunderland are overperforming this season? But looking at Millwall's kind of last few seasons in the Championship, maybe they're not kind of tipped as a team to get into that top six but their last few finishes in the championship eighth 11th ninth this season again going for a playoff place so would you say that is kind of the ambition now to try and get in the playoffs at Millwall absolutely I mean this is the season to do it this is the season mm. where Millwall have broken their transfer record they brought in big names they brought in a former Sunderland man and George Honeyman they brought in uh, a lot of kind of fairly established championship players even in the January transfer window it didn't necessarily go to plan I mean Sunderland and Millwall had a very similar window in the sense that they were both looking for strikers mm. and I mean I guess Sunderland got one but they really needed another Millwall didn't get any at all um, but they have a lot of established championship players at Millwall there's a core group of players who know what they're doing who've done this before which is really important to have uh, this is the season where they are pushing for it they've come close before uh, ever since coming up, apart from one season where they had to fight off relegation, ever since that, it's been, you know, top half finishes. It's been, you know, slender single point gaps to the top six. Uh, last season, I think, was six points off the top six. 
And it just shows that there's this constant stream of progression. That's really impressive, given the fact that there aren't these vast resources at the club. You know, this isn't the club. The, the record transfer fee at the moment, I think, is under £2 million. Mm-hmm. For, for some clubs, that is absolute pocket change. They were going to break it in January to bring in Kevin Nisbet. That was going to be £2.2 million, £2.3 million. That was going to be the record signing. This is a club that has to operate with small margins, yet are always fighting the big boys at the top. So there is kind of, yeah, there are two ways of looking at it. Yes, this is an overperformance in that sense, in in comparing a Millwall in terms of kind of general club size compared to a Sunderland, for example, who've had many years in the top flight, uh, and in terms of their resources. But also, this is still a club that have done this consistently over numerous years and it feels like the next step now to kind of get into that top six and see how they can chance their luck in the playoffs. Mm. Well, you mentioned the transfer window and deadline day that Millwall were trying to bring in another striker. They brought in another forward in the shape of Duncan Watmore, a player that Sunderland fans will know well um, after his time on Wearside. So are we expecting him to be in the squad or maybe even start at the den on Saturday? Um, Gary Rout loves his surprises. There's always a bit of Rout roulette before uh, the team news comes out. You never really know, although he does say that he's a, a manager that likes to keep his teams the same when he has the chance, um, especially considering that Millwall won their last game. Um, it, it's He's definitely going to be involved. He'll be in the mm-hmm. squad. I would be astonished, especially given the sellout crowd and things like that. If he didn't come on and get his first minutes, it'll be the same with... Uh, Another player that uh, they brought in in this week, and Oliver Burke, who came back on loan from Werder Bremen, uh, who was at the Den last season on loan from Sheffield United. Um, I think he's an exciting one. It's difficult, though, because fans did expect the number nine at the moment. Tom Bradshaw is the only striker that um, they will have at the club that is um, over the age of about 16. <laughs> um, so it's going to be a difficult one for him because the club moved to, to, to sell Isaac Alafe and Sal Benekafobe, which was always going to be uh, a difficult thing to kind of replace those two, especially a phobia who has such a strong record in this league. They didn't get that nine. And what they've done is that they've kind of strengthened in other, pl- other areas with players who are versatile, who can play out wide, who can play up front, like Duncan Watmore can, for example. I, I think the one thing that stands out about him is the fact he's such a hard worker. Half of the job in terms of winning over fans at Millwall is showing your effort and showing that you're willing to run, chase, you know, put pressure on defenders, uh, uh, threaten in the final third. If you can do that, you're going to become a fan favourite. It's just how these kind of things work. And we saw it with George Honeyman more towards the, the start of the season when he was playing really regular football. But his energy and the way he runs and the way he presses, that that was what won the fans over more than anything. I think that's the big thing for him. If he can get similar figures to what he's been hitting I'd say more at Middlesbrough in the last kind of few years where he's been pushing towards double digits, then that's going to be a really fantastic signing. Yeah, you mentioned George Honeyman as well, former Sunderland captain. Looks like he's been in and out of the side this season, but he started their last three. So I'm assuming he's kind of form has improved kind of in recent weeks, and that's why he's kept his place in the side. Yeah, it's been a bit of... Uh... There's been a few reasons behind that. I've spoken to George Honeyman, I think, in the build-up to every single time that Mill have been scheduled to play Sunderland, he always says he looks forward to it. He mm. always, you know, this is a club that's close to his heart. Um, I think he did end up getting quite a good reception, you know, mixed with a few fans that weren't too happy. Yeah. But when, when he was up on um, when he was up in the Northeast uh, at the start of December, um, 
in general, it's been difficult for him because he was signed, like a lot of players over the summer, to play a back five, a five-two-three, five-two-one-two, whatever you want to call it. Um, and the club since have decided to switch it around because it wasn't working to move to a four-two-three-one. And he's one of a few players that have kind of not been able to find their place consistently in the team, uh, which is really difficult for him, to be honest. Um, he's kind of ended up drifting out wide now. Mill haven't had natural wingers in the squad because they haven't needed to because of the, the formation that they were planning to play at the start of the season. So you've really been relying on Tyler Bury in that position, who's now out injured probably till the end of the month, which is why they've gone and strengthened with um, Oliver Burke and with Duncan Watmore, who can play there. Uh, but for now, George Honeyman's been been out on that right side more than anything. It's difficult because he's not a natural right winger. He's having to learn as he goes along. He has improved for sure. His goals and contribution output is not necessarily, I think, what uh, people would want, especially from a winger. But at the end of the day, he's someone who's been put there to do a job. He's he's ran. He's put in the miles. He's put in the effort. And as I said, that that's kind of what what wins the fans over a bit. Um, it's difficult to know necessarily that with more natural wingers, whether he's going to be able to keep that place in the team, but he's still such a valuable asset to have. He's played uh, from Premier League down to League One consistently now for quite a while, as has what more with that Sunderland squad. Um, and then on with Hull, with Honeyman and uh, Middlesbrough with what more. So they, they've kind of shown that they are the experience that, that Millwall needs in the squad and definitely with, with Honeyman, even if he isn't playing week in, week out, he's such a, a valuable character to have there. Mm. You mentioned the formation and it looks now like it's pretty set with that 4-2-3-1. Um, when you're speaking there, it kind of sounds like a similar situation to Sunderland in the fact that there's only one fit striker Sunderland now have just brought in Joe Geldhart from Leeds, but without Ross Stewart and they lost Ellis Sims um, in January as well after he was recalled by Everton. But, just looking at that system, that four-two-three-one. Who are kind of the key players in that, and who are going to be the, the players that Sunderland fans should should watch out for at the Den? It's a, a strange one because the, the players that I want to pick out are ones that Sunderland fans have seen before at the Stadium of Light and mm. just didn't perform. To be honest, I mean, Zian Fleming's one who, when he plays at his best, can carry the rest of his team on his back. He can He's score hat tricks. Score, yeah, top scorer, ten. ten goals. He is creative. He can pick a pass. He's physical. Uh, that was one thing that I noticed when you kind of see him in person. You don't necessarily see it when you're watching him on on the pitch, but when you actually come up to him in person, you're like, "Oh, wow, okay." He's tall. He's strong. There's a lot about him, which you know, for for foreign players coming into this league, you need to have that physicality. That's a big worry. Um, and he's definitely got that. I think it's just the consistency aspect for him that's important. If he's on it this weekend, um, any championship team is going to be in, in trouble because he's mm. just an absolutely sensational player. Tom Bradshaw um, works himself to death as the only striker in the squad. He has to, um, but he, he's scoring fairly regularly now. He does go on these kind of short bursts, which is something that he wants to improve. But he, he's still doing a fantastic job. He runs, he presses, he just can be a real nightmare for defenders. But it's, it's whether he gets the service or not. Those are really the, the, the players that stand out. I mean, obviously, you have to be wary of Millwall's set piece threat, um, which you kind of it's difficult because you, you wouldn't necessarily pinpoint your defenders as danger men. But Jake Cooper, at the same time, six foot four, 
plus, I think he might even be taller. Centre back, absolutely colossal. If he gets his head on the ball, he doesn't often actually score, but what he's quite good at is just flicking it on into the danger zone. There are people who know how to make those runs. He's kind of just so central to everything that Mill will do when they can get balls into the box, when they can put bodies into the box. That's that's so important for them. Um, the issue is making sure he's not marked out of the game because they tried to do that at Sunderland. And as Gary Rout said after the game, Danny Bath just um, headed all the balls away and they couldn't really do anything. So it's difficult in, in that sense trying to find a way to break through that when, when players when teams know that you've got a certain player that is such a threat and they just mark them out. So there are multiple areas, but I think Zian Fleming's the one to watch out for. If he's on it, he's going to be fantastic. Mm. Yeah, that has been a concern for Sunderland in the past, that set pieces, especially early in the season when they had a lot of injuries and now they've lost Stuart for the season. Although he's a striker, he is quite effective in his own penalty area, clearing corners. They've now got Danny Bart back, back from injury um, and Dan Ballard. They've kind of played the last two in the and formed what looks like a good partnership. So that could be really important with Millwall kind of posing that threat from set pieces. That's definitely one to watch out for. Um, another player that I don't think has been in the side in recent weeks, but ha- was linked with Sunderland in the summer and was then linked again with them in January is Charlie Cresswell. Um, it seemed from Gary Rowett's point of view that he was always kind of going to stay at Millwall, although he's on loan from Leeds. Um, kind of what's his situation? Because, that link has kept cropping up, the one with uh, him and Sunderland. It's been really difficult for him. He's another one that's kind of paid the price from the formation change because um, Mill will have a very set back three when they play a five, um, which is uh, Sean Hutchinson, Jake Cooper and Murray Wallace. If he moves to a four, Murray Wallace then slides through to left back and there still isn't a place for him in the team, which is quite difficult. When there's been injuries or suspensions, he's been able to come into the team He's been kind of hit and miss. The, the issue that I think he's had is at the end of the day, he's had the chances to put in solid performances, which he did, especially at the start of the season. Two goals on his first game against Stoke. He scored again a few weeks after that. He's, he's a regular scorer. But the defensive side, when it when it moves away from set pieces, is the concern. You look at the Sunderland game where he had to come in, and the third goal is an absolute disaster. The way that it, the ball bounces, he goes to jump for it. And it just bounces over him and straight into the path of Ellis Sims, who rounds the goalkeeper and taps it in. Um, I think that there is so much raw potential in him. That that's a big thing. And when you're a side that is really pushing for a top six and you're like, this is the season you have to do it, you can't necessarily always have a player that is so raw yet has such big potential and you're going to rely on him in these kind of games if you're a Sunderland for example I mean I was thinking about this before I came on in the sense that Sunderland is such a young squad mm-hmm. that you're looking at I think Ross Stewart who's what 26 27 as far mm-hmm. as I'm aware he's one of the oldest players in the regular starting team apart from what Evans and Danny Buss that's kind yeah, of Evans, how it's Evans been. and Stewart are both out for the season yeah, and overall, you look at as well, I mean, I was looking at what Sunderland were doing in the transfer market as well, it's young players, it's really yeah. raw young players, um, which can either really go one way or the other. I think it's quite tricky in a sense that, you know, if you have a young squad, you can have this athletic advantage to an extent. But at the same time, when you need to kind of grind out those wins, when you need to be strong mentally, I kind of feel like you need the experience to get you through there. Um, and Charlie Cress was in that, that kind of position. He's made Premier League appearances and you know he's held in high regard, but 
actually getting into the team over the three three of the most experienced centre backs in this league is really difficult. So he got linked with uh, I think probably seen him linked with Coventry, Sunderland, Middlesbrough were rumoured to be interested in buying him, and uh, well Coventry, Middlesbrough, Sunderland, Stoke were the, the teams that I saw come up as the, the teams that were interested in him. Um, I think that Leeds had kind of said to, to Millwall, look, there's there's interest in him. But at the end of the day, the, the recall clause expired to bring him back and Millwall were never going to let him go and lose a, a body in what is already quite a thin squad. So it was never really going to be a runner, but it, it was always a difficult situation for him because he wants to play and I get that and he wants to be involved in a championship squad. He is good enough to do that, but it's just very difficult in a Millwall squad where they need to have players that can be consistently relied upon. And it's not necessarily about developing players, especially ones that aren't going to be here next season. Mm. Well, yeah, you've spoken about what a tough test it will be for Sunderland this weekend, going to the Den, a really tough place to go for championship sides. So we usually just finish by asking our guests just how they think the game is going to go. And just for a quick score prediction. It's going to be a different game from the, uh, the one at the same of light, I think. Um, I, I think that the home crowd will do a lot. Uh, the fact that it's going to be a near sellout, it's going to be hostile, it's going to be difficult, but also at the same time, some of them have played in these environments before, so they kind of know how to handle it. Um, and also, I know that Sunderland's away record is quite strong, so it, it's mm. it's uh, quite a difficult one, and it points towards it being very, very tight. And I'm going to edge towards a late Millwall winner, 2-1, get a little bit of revenge for what happened at the Stadium of Light a couple of months ago. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tight game. I'm just looking at Millwall's defensive record as well. I think it's the third best defensive record in the league, so not conceding many goals. Tough to go away to the den, so it is going to be a really tough test for a young Sunderland side now without Stewart, without Corey Evans. But they are playing well. They got a good one-all draw away at Fulham last time out, and if they can kind of repeat that, I think they'll have a good chance. So, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw, but um, I don't think there'll be much in the game. And it, as I said, it will be a very difficult test for Tony Mowbray's side going to the Den. But uh, Alex, thanks a lot for joining us on the latest episode of the Raw podcast. You can head over to the SAFC section of the Sunderland Echo website to find the latest news, as well as the thoughts of Sunderland head coach Tony Mowbray, who spoke to the media on Friday morning. Um, and we'll have all more build-up to Saturday's game at the Den, as well as um, our live blog will be up and running on Saturday, and we'll have in-game analysis and post-match reaction over on the website. So thanks again for listening to the Raw podcast.